great mate of Dino's, Mickey McGuan, who joins us each and every Friday. And uh, Mickey, as I say good morning to you, it's obviously a, a much different feel to normal this morning. We've lost one of the, the good guys, one of the most special men in, in our great sport. Yeah, have we what, Matt? Um, thanks for having us on uh, again. Uh, last night, uh, Riley and I were working, um, covering the Sandown Dogs with Harry White doing Packenham races, and Harry had left because the Packenham races had finished and then the news filtered through, and, yeah, it was just shock. Um, Riley and I obviously work with Dino. Riley's a producer, and to be on air with so when we were doing breakfast for a huge period of time, we had the fortunate, fortunate situation to call in to Dino, and that was Thursdays and Fridays. Uh, he'd offer up his analysis, his formula bet, his quadrilla numbers, picked other races that he liked, even would travel to interstate and give his opinion. But he had just an incredible connection not only with the radio station, but with the masses of people that love their racing, but sport in general. And he just had a way of remaining calm, selling the message, validated the reasons as to why he liked a particular uh, horse, and he was so easy to listen to. And that's a reason I think he was so attracted to a lot of people um, when they turned that dial on 927. Uh, Most listeners listened very intently and wrote his numbers down. And it become a bit of an agenda item for every person that loved their racing going to a Saturday or a weekend racing. Mick, it's an amazing thing, isn't it, that he's had such a an enormous impact on so many people that have never even met him in person. We're seeing so many messages this morning and people ringing him up, ringing up, and and, and they have never actually met Dino, but they've had such an enormous impact on their lives, whether that's through the punt or just listening to him on the radio and whether that's him talking about horse racing or something completely off-topic altogether. He's such a respected and revered figure, and it's it's quite unusual to come across those sort of people where, you know, there's hardly a bad word said about them. Well, the thing that stands out to me in any sportsman or anyone that's revered is humility. Mm. And Dean had humility in spades. He was one person that you'd sit back and listen and you understand his flight and the challenges that he had to endure in his own personal life. But he was never a complainer. It was never, why me? I've got a job to do. I do the work. I give me tips. And there was no fanfare, no fuss about him. And I think that's the reason why a lot of people were in his corner and he gravitated to a lot of people because he was grounded. He wasn't look. He never liked being put on a pedestal. Um, he was just one of us, really, in the view that he just wanted to connect with people. And I said last night on radio about 10.30 when we contacted Andrew Bensley, or Riley did through text message uh, when the news filtered through, and I was shocked when I got a couple of text messages. And to be honest, Matt, I sent a message through to Mark, Mark Hunter. Mm. Um, got great respect for Mark. I know Dean was really close to Mark and vice versa. They respected each other's opinion when it comes to racing analysis. And hearing Mark this morning before I jumped on the plane uh, coming to Hobart um, this morning is just, um, yeah, sad. And to hear those guys with Hamish Mack and McLaughlin to be uh, alongside Dean yesterday uh, before he passed away and to tell the stories about, you know, their closeness and what Dean meant to those guys was really uplifting in a way, sad in another way. 
Mm. Uh, but when I actually text Mark, I said, is this news true? Uh, can you validate that he certainly did? And um, it was a really sad time. And it was a hollow feeling because we had to go to race 12 at Sandown uh, on the back of playing that beautiful uh, montage of memory lanes that Andrew Bensley had put together. And we played that just before race 12 started at Sandown. You could hear the lump in the throat mm. of... Uh, um, our, our, our dog caller last night and all of a sudden the text messages started to flow in then and there and the text messages on my phone started happening right through till probably one o'clock this morning. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It hit us all like a like a ton of bricks, Mick, and some of those stories that you alluded to, uh, the listeners, if they haven't heard them early this morning, you can go back on our website and our podcast page and, and listen to them. There's some absolute belters that will continue to roll out throughout the day as well here on RSN 927. I'm sure we'll continue to roll them out over the weekend and next week as well. And, and Mick, the other thing that really stood out to me this morning was how much Dean loved RSN and how much how grateful he was to, to, to be able to make a career out of working for RSN 927. I must admit, it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable now that I get the opportunity to, to be on the radio and, and host a show in the middle of the day on a station that that he loved so much. It, it meant so much to him, didn't it? It did. Um, and Dean wouldn't want you to feel uncomfortable, Matt, so feel comfortable. You've earned the right to be in that position and just go for it. And that's the message that Dean would often give to a lot of people who are just starting out. I remember I've had a connection with the station since probably 1989 when I was working with Peter Donigan, the great Kevin Bartlett. I had a segment called Up the Creek with Nick McGuan. That's how much... I love the station and mm. not just similar to Dean when I was growing up at Sebastopol and you know it well coming from Ballarat I'd turn on the radio at 6.30 in the morning unbeknownst uh, to me that racing was in blood at an early age because of the family connection with horses etc my granddad was a greyhound trainer um, I just loved listening to you know the Keith Hilliers of the world um, irrespective of who it was who gave their tips I'd get my pen out paper out and then I'd go to mum and say I want to have one unit each way on this horse mum can you please do it so and so is tipping it on the radio and to be connected in this world in the media which is brutal at times uh, but to have a place called home which is basically your second home when it comes to work and employment outside your own sporting uh, life um, I can understand where Dean's coming from because you do become connected to a lot of people uh, they do respect and respond to your uh, voice in many ways and when you've got an obligation to do the work give your angle of why a race will be won or lost um, there's a responsibility that comes with that and you need to work and Dean was never afraid of doing the work just like Mark Hunter does just like all our form analysts so if you're prepared to do the work uh, luck certainly comes your way yeah well said Mickey well said he will certainly never be forgotten at RSN 927 he'll, he'll, he may be he may be gone, but he won't be lost to the racing community. He'll he'll live on um, for many years to come. There's no doubt about that. Matt, I remember Steve Cairns, who's unfortunately not with us as well. Like, he rang me one Saturday morning. He said, oh, it's grand final day. We just want to do something different. In the hour we do the racing and the selections at Mornington, we need you to come in. I said, well, what, to talk about the grand final? He said, oh, no, talk about the grand final. And Matt, Matty Stewart will throw it here and talk about footy or Bruce Clark when he was there. And obviously... Uh, You've got Dino in the background who's, you know, this doyen of horse racing tips. Mm. So you're trying to do your form and you don't know what Dean's going to tip and all of a sudden Matt Stewart says, right, oh, we're up to race three, Mick, you lead the way. 
So you're looking for probably validation and you're thinking, well, if I tip numbers 1, 2, 3, 4, 13, don't tip number 6, 7, 8. <laughs> so yes. when you tip 1, 2, 3, 4, you think, okay, I'm on the right tram here, I'm thinking about the same horse as the great man is. So that was always a great experience to sort of be thrust amongst it, be amongst your peers that you respect, um, but keep grounded, stay logical and present your cases the best you possibly can and that's what Dean did probably better than most. Yeah, I don't think you're alone, Mick. I think just about anyone who was looking to have a bet over the weekend, if they were keen on one, they'd make sure they double-checked with Dino's numbers to ensure that that horse was in there. And if it wasn't, you'd be probably having second thoughts. He uh, he was he knew his stuff like just about no one else, and um, he'll be remembered so fondly by everyone in the racing community. Hey, uh, Mick. I'm sure he'll be watching the races this weekend upstairs. It's uh, it's a pretty good weekend for him to be watching them as well. Um, all three codes. There's so much to look forward to. The Lightning Stakes at Flemington, the Australian Cup heats at the Meadows, and we get to see Captain Ravishing in action as well in the trots. What are you most looking forward to this weekend? Oh, the Black Caviar Lightning, uh, the race of the day, I think. What will make us do two now we're eight-year-old, drawn barrier one, will that be good or bad? You know, I wish I win create a miracle I suppose, you don't know whether a thousand metres will be too sharp for it but Peter Moody, the horse that he is training at the moment, they're absolutely following his stable, so who's to say it can't cause an upset then you've got Bella Nipotina we know how good she can be on a day with an explosive sprint, a straight specialist in rock and horse and even the younger probably generation horses in Tijuana, Snotras and also Cool and Gatter I just think it's just as a tantalising race. I think the people and the public will gravitate to Nature Strip because of the fairy tale attached to it, being an eight-year-old, winning first up. Has he got it in his legs to do so? I'm probably inclined to think he's going to be too short to back. So from a betting perspective, I can clearly have something on Ioannis, not just each way, because I think uh, down the straight, even though a 1,000 metres might be a little bit sharp, they tend to overdo it up front with Cool and Gather and Nature Strip trying to get their own way in front. Uh, this horse could be the one coming out of the pack and attacking the line. So 13 or $14 each way, that's the horse I'll be having something on. Yeah, double-figure odds. He's an exciting horse, Buenos Notches, and there's a lot of people that are keen on him this weekend. Uh, I know Winkers and Mikey are on the line, and I'll, I'll try to get to you before Wodonga. If I don't, guys, I'll get to you on the other side of Wodonga. Uh, Mick, what about the Australian Cup? Uh, heats in the Greyhounds this weekend. George and Corey Smith are going to join me later in the program to preview them all race by race. Do you think there's a standout best bet this weekend at the Meadows? Oh, I think Victor Damien, race four, number one, the first of the heats, probably will justify its dollar fifty quote. Uh, really keen on race five, number four, Baby JC, two forty straight to the front. I think you can lead all the way in that particular heat. That's heat two. Really looking forward to race six, which is heat three. Wow, she's fast, ideally boxed. Probably got to navigate across Revolution Box one and the lead Alex Box five. They can both run time, but she was magnificent last start. And probably the one I'm keen on the most. Uh, for the night is looking to see race eight. Um, Amron Boy is the best greyhound in the race, but has drawn difficultly in barrier six. It's an awkward box draw, but he's clearly got the class to overcome it. But the one out in box eight, Fernando Mick, might just escape all traffic. There might be a way on the bunny, and if there's any concern for Amron Boy in traffic, uh, Fernando Boy, uh, Fernando Mick at four dollars twenty might be able to pinch that heat five race eight on the program. Can they beat Captain Ravishing in the Chariots of Fire? No, they can't. It's $1.22, and rightfully so. It'll probably start shorter. Uh, I think uh, a couple of horses will have a look for the early lead. He's the son of a gun. I wouldn't be surprised that all if can't find a better man for Luke McCarthy will try to steer out also. 
but I think Mark Pitt will be aware of what's happening around him and try to get off the rails as quickly as he possibly can. And if anyone wants to, you know, not let him use his speed and allow him to get to the front, um, they won't participate in the finish. So I think irrespective of what happens at the start, he'll find the front at some stage. He'll run the hands off the clock. I wouldn't be surprised if he runs a 148 and change. And if he does that, he's clearly the horse to beat. And he'll have to find the short odds. It's a good race. Catch a wave, number seven. Republican Party is one of the best horses in New Zealand at that age. Uh, they're serious opposition. And even a horse like Rip, those people have their a bit of value for exotics. I reckon David Ewart should try to get straight in behind Captain Ravishing and try to follow Rip as, much, as far as he can. If it leads early, Rip sits behind him. Uh, this horse can really peel off a really good sectional on $4.80 or $4.60. Uh, it might be a good place for your exotics as well. It's it's as good a day and nights racing across all three codes as you're ever likely to see, Mickey. Uh, enjoy it. It's been a, a really t- a difficult morning for so many people, and we appreciate you jumping on and sharing some of your memories of the great Dean Lester. Thanks for your time, Mick. Yep, no worries, mate. Great man he was.